0: Uh, there was an episode and and I went and did some research and found out it was episode 21 if that impresses any of you or not I don't know but it was episode 21 and it was titled the Hamptons and it involved uh, the characters of Seinfeld traveling to the Hamptons to see a baby a newborn baby of one of their friends and they all went up there to uh, see this new baby and upon arriving Every one of them finds that this baby was altogether ugly. Whenever any of them come in and looked into the baby crib, they would normally come in with a smile on their face, expecting to be blessed with a beautiful baby. And as soon as they laid eyes on it, they would be taken back. And their breath almost be taken out of it. Uh, They never did show the baby. (laughs) But you could imagine that uh, by the looks of this baby it was very, very ugly. Now naturally nobody was willing to share this uh, fact with the mother. And I'm not so sure that would be a very good idea to tell some mother that her baby is ugly. But the mother believed that her baby was very beautiful. And was very proud of the baby and wanted everybody to come and lay eyes on this beautiful sight. And uh, As might be expected, the characters, they had some reservations about telling her, you know, that uh, uh, giving her an honest appraisal of how things was. And we have that same problem sometimes. It's very difficult sometimes for us to be honest with somebody about their performance or their behavior or something like that. Too often we want to We don't want to offend nobody or hurt their feelings. And sometimes we allow things to continue and go on and on and on that we shouldn't allow. And because we just don't want to hurt nobody's feelings, we don't want to tell anybody they've got an ugly baby. We normally just say, oh, that baby's just fine. And uh, one uh, doctor that was there, he said the baby was breathtaking. Now, he also, by chance, had told Elaine that she was breathtaking also. And she was running around all cheerful and excited and happy that a doctor thought she was breathtaking. And her ego was inflated and she was just really having the time of her life thinking that this doctor thought she was breathtaking. Until she learned that the doctor also said this ugly baby was breathtaking. Then she began to put two and two together, and she realized that she wasn't as beautiful as she thought she was. Of course, the mother never did realize whether her baby was ugly or not, and we'll leave that to, uh, amen, for the mom to find out. Of course, we know that some people, amen, no matter how ugly they get only a mother can love them. You know that? (laughs) So we understand that that mother's love and that uh, mothers do happen to be, partial to their children. Uh, the problem, and I think what this episode points out, is that we have this same problem when we're trying to get an understanding of how we're doing or, or what we're doing. Workers need to know whether they're doing a good job or not. Uh, the church needs to know where it stands, whether it's working and whether things that they're doing is, is effective or whether they're not effective. Some people have accused the church of riding a dead horse. They've got too many programs that they just want to continue to do and put money into and and continue to work with and invest time and energy and, 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 and money and all that into, and it's not producing the results that they're looking for. And somebody needs to tell them sometimes, hey, it's a dead horse. You need to get off of it and bury that thing and get something else that works. We don't always get an honest appraisal of our work performances at work. Because, again, even though the boss, we might think he's the meanest person around, most bosses don't like to tell you the truth about your performance. In fact, I believe if many of us got paid what we're worth, we would be broke. Uh, I have to be honest with you. There's times that I believe I could have gotten people jobs that that would go to this church, but I I had to pray about it, and and I just could not bring myself to recommend some people to do the job because I knew they would not do a good job. No one knew they are. Now, folks, they'll use the pastor and say, he'll put in a good, good word for me. But we should not lie. The Bible says we ought to speak the truth to one another. I admire my son-in-law, Mark. There's a fellow there that will speak the truth to you. You ask him what he thinks about something, he'll tell you. Now, he may not always do it with the most diplomatic terms, uh, but he will tell you what he thinks. Amen? And that don't mean he don't like you. He wants you to know if you ask the question, he wants you to have the the right answer. And I admire people like that. But it is very difficult to work in a ministry and a church and love all these people and just tell them they're doing fine when in reality they're really doing poorly. And what happens is we collect green stamps. We see all the things that's going wrong and we say, oh I ain't gonna say nothing to so and so about that. And we do the same thing on jobs. That's why in in the work world they have performance reports where your boss will call you in occasionally and tell you how you're doing. The purpose of this is so you know where you stand with the boss. Nobody likes to find out when promotion comes that they didn't get promoted because they didn't uh, live up to the boss's expectation. Nobody likes to get fired all of a sudden, just pop it out of the blue and say, well, we didn't think your work ethic was right. We need to know where we stand. Nobody likes that. So we need to, as a church, we need to be able to speak the truth to one another and to people in the world. Often, people are put under conviction by the Holy Ghost that they're not living the life that they ought to be living when they come to church. And sometimes when they just get around other people of God, your very presence sometimes will put some people under conviction. And I've had, I had one instance where uh, a friend of Deb and I's, a, a couple, they were, I could tell God was working with them. And, and they come out and said, you know, Tom, uh, I think we realize we're not, we're not living up, we're not what we should be. We need to make some changes in our lives. We need to get right with God. And do you know what I told them? I said, oh, no, you're all right, everything's fine. You're not that bad. And in reality, they're not, they wouldn't murder us. They wouldn't steal them. They wouldn't doing things that they shouldn't be doing. But what I did was interfered with what God wanted them to know. I know that God wants you to know where you stand with him. And if we're going to preach the Word of God and be honest about things, we need to be forefront and honest about it. If they've got an ugly baby church, we need to tell them they've got an ugly baby. Now, sometimes you can't do a thing about that ugly baby. And it doesn't do any good to be humiliated or put down and told something that we know you can't do nothing about. But sometimes if we give somebody an honest criticism, what do we call a... uh, uh, constructive criticism then they can see where they're at and know where they're falling short of their goals in life and make those adjustments and become better people better workers better saints of God and more productive for the world and for the kingdom of God so we need to get this this thought in our uh, in our minds and our mindset that we're not doing anybody any favors by telling them they got a beautiful baby, when in fact it's the ugliest thing around. Uh, Many times we walked out of the service here and people say, well Brother Stinnett, I I, I really enjoyed that message you preached today, you know. Uh, Nobody ever tells me, well Brother Stinnett, uh, you were just a little bit too long there today. Uh, You put me to sleep. I didn't understand what you were talking about. You see, but if I heard things like that, I know it might crush me. It might hurt my feelings. But I would have to admit that somebody don't like my preaching. Right now, as far as I'm concerned, everybody just loves it. Everybody loves to be preached to for an hour and a half. <laughs> Amen. So, so far, if you don't like what you're getting, and you don't tell me about it, I'm going to keep giving you what I'm giving you. Amen. Amen. So if I've got an ugly baby this morning, I want you to let me know about it, okay? So I can work on it. And I believe you would tell me that if you love me. Because you would want me to be the best preacher. Don't you want this church to have the best preachers? The best Sunday school teachers? The best programs? The best saints that uh, we could possibly have? We've got to get our own house in order before we can begin to help somebody else get their house in order. So this is what I'm uh, getting at today. If you're ever to accomplish great things in life you need an honest appraisal of where you stand in relationship to the goals that you have. Nobody can take a trip to a certain destination and get there if they don't know where they are now. You've got to know where you are at each stage in the game in order to arrive at your destination. Now, unfortunately, nobody wants to tell us where we're at, sometimes. Uh, some people, on the other hand, will, will uh, tell us they're too critical. They're, they're, they don't use the same standard to judge us as they use to judge themselves. You know what I'm talking about, church? Some people, have, they, they put themselves in the best possible light but everybody else is living in darkness. We don't want to get like that. That's a critical spirit that I've talked about. But we do want to know where we stand and how we're doing. I'm only reminded of the Laodicean church in the book of Revelations chapter 3. That church thought that they were rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing. But God told them that they didn't know that they were wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I want you to know if you want to know where you stand with God you can always go to the Word of God and He'll tell you how you stand up. So we want to do that this morning and go to 1st Samuel chapter 16 verse 1 and then we'll read verse 6 through 14. and the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And verse 6, And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Iliad and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel and he said neither has the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shema to pass by and he said neither has the Lord chosen this. And again Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Every single one of them. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him. For we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was rudy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. You can be seated. Imagine the shock that Jesse had when his favorite sons were rejected by God. Parents are always proud of their children in spite of the things that they do. And it does hurt to see when one is rejected, especially the one you thought was the best one you had. But God went through every single one that Jesse had put before him. The only one that Jesse didn't bring in, didn't think he had a chance, was David and David was a little boy. Some people believe he was around 10 years old at the time. Nobody would possibly want to make a 10-year-old the king. But God sees things differently than we do. Now, you might ask the question, and I think we should, why were the other sons of Jesse rejected? We sometimes ask that question of our ministries and of our, why was I not promoted? Why is God not blessing this ministry like he's blessing the one up the street or whatever? And sometimes we justify these things by by coming up with all kinds of things. They may be true. They may not be true. But I think first of all, we ought to look at our ministry itself. And we ought to evaluate things based on God's standard of what he's looking for. We can certainly tell from our text that God does have a standard of what he's looking for. We can find out why he was rejected. Jesus himself tells us that many are called but few are chosen in Matthew twenty-two fourteen. 14 that's what happened here many were called but only one was chosen and we wonder why we don't get that advancement why we don't get it I think we need an honest appraisal of ourselves when we find out so let's look and see why God did not choose these other people and why he chose David over the rest of the boys as we have already learned, God does not look on the outward appearance. And yet we find that David was rudy and he was beautiful to look on. Now that's a fact. David had beautiful red hair. That's what the rudy means. It means he, he had red hair. And he was a beautiful young boy. Amen. If you were only picking beauty, that, that would have been your choice. But God doesn't use that. David just happened to look good, okay? God don't pick us. God is no respecter of persons. He does not choose based upon your looks. And sometimes he doesn't choose based on your abilities. But we find in a parable, in the parable of the talents, that God did give talents to different people and the Bible says he gave them severally according to their ability that tells me that God has a standard by which he is judging our work he may judge us because he sees Christ we're judged personally in the eyes of God through the work of Jesus Christ But He judges our works based upon, I believe, what's in our heart and the results we get. In the parable of the talents, God blessed those that had doubled what they had. And yet the man that hid his talent was not blessed. In fact, what he had was taken away from him and given to somebody else. Now, he wasn't just blessing activity. Because the man that dug a hole and hid his talent was just as busy about his business as anybody else. Some people look very busy at work, but they're not accomplishing anything. What good does it do if we are in a business and we take all the important clients out to play golf with them and spend money on them and all that and we don't get any sales. If we don't get results for our actions then our actions are wasted, are they not? Our money is wasted. God expects results church and we need to start giving it to Him. In 1 Samuel 13, 14, we realize why Saul was rejected. It says, but now thy kingdom, and this is the man of God speaking to Saul. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. He's like, I guess Donald Trump, you're fired. God fired him. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. That is, God is looking for somebody that has their heart in the job that he's putting him in to do. And you can very quickly find out if a man's heart is in his work. I hate to keep uplifting my son-in-law, but he's always out there in that garage. Now, I know he ain't that rich, But I believe most of the work he's doing, he likes doing. I don't care if he does complain about it. If he didn't like it, you wouldn't see him out there that much. His heart is in what he does. And if your heart is in something, you're going to do the best job that you can possibly do. Somebody say amen. Amen. And if your heart's not in it, you're going to slough off. You're going to goof off. You're going to lay back. When you should be working. You're going to be a slothful, unprofitable servant. And that's why God rejected the unprofitable servant. And the Lord has commanded him to be captain over his people. God gives you a job to do and he commands you to do that job. It's not a choice. If God calls you and he chooses you to do a job, he expects results from you. I know I've kind of got the idea, well, I always make myself feel better when I'm preaching and nobody responds to the message, nobody is converted, nobody's saved, nobody gets the Holy Ghost. I, I say, well, I guess God's only asked me to preach the Word. And he certainly has. Go into all the world and preach the Gospel. He said, that's the Great Commission. That's what he commanded me to do. But God believes if you preach it, from your heart, and you preach it as God commanded you to do, you're going to get results. And we're going to check that out this morning and see how the early church got results. Amen? But uh, Saul, he said, the Lord had commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. In other words, you haven't produced the results that I expected of you. See, God knows the thoughts and intents of our hearts, church. And he can tell whether we're going to produce something or not. Saul's heart was not with God long before he began to goof off and mess up in his job. And the same is true about anybody else on the job. Their heart goes first, and then their work begins to suffer. The same is true of any ministry that is not producing results, it's because people don't have their heart in it. And people begin to draw back on God. But my Bible tells me God has no pleasure in those that draw back on Him. If God has given you a job to do in this church, if He's asked you to be a Sunday school teacher, if He's asked you to, amen, to... Uh, uh, work in the the sound equipment or, or sing or whatever, he doesn't expect you to draw back and goof off and make excuses and not perform as he expects you to do. He expects you to have your heart in it.